0: Great to see you tonight. going <laughs> to have more fun. You know, you really... Oh, can you help me with that? I work out, but I don't know if I can... Yeah, a little closer. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Great to be with you tonight. You know, I was thinking tonight was really interesting. I was thinking before service how thankful I am for everything God's doing, but also how you have to become like a child, right? Children, I love being around children, I love having children pray for me because they're not really worried about their reputation, and they just embrace everything with a child. The phrase is childlike heart, but that's how we have to receive in the kingdom of God. And sometimes uh, influences get on us where we sometimes feel too dignified to do certain things and uh, what we were doing tonight was just a prophetic act of just receiving from heaven. If you're not accustomed to something like that, it's basically going, this kind of looks weird, it is a little weird, but this is exactly what I'm doing to position myself to receive and to respond to that word. And he's really, really, really okay with you looking like a fool. I remember a number of years ago, I was, um, it's kind of personal, but I was in another country and I was listening to somebody else teach, it was their session, and um, the concept was surrender and basically... He said, stand, just like another level of consecration and surrender. And uh, he said, are you willing to lose all your reputation to follow God? (laughs) And And I stood, and I heard the Lord say, if you're willing to lose all your reputation, I'll give you a reputation in the nations of the earth. So... I'm not interested in being weird just for weird's sake. I, I don't do that. But I do know that there's times he loves putting you on display. He'll even make you look like a fool because he's not really, he doesn't really care about your reputation. He just cares how much you're willing to surrender in that moment as a prophetic act to receive what he has to give you. No, know why I'm saying that, but it made me feel a whole lot better. It's really good to be here. Um, I guess it was when you were in your old building uh, came on that Friday night and um, the Lord just spoke to me that I was going to be connected here and uh, I do, I feel very much at home and um, so I think that we're on this journey together and that a journey is made up of these moments in God and so we're in this moment in God once again this weekend where we get to receive everything from Him and uh, let me just say, everyone in this room is worthy to receive you're qualified from day one in the kingdom one of the coolest things about God is that it's not like when you come into the kingdom you get everything up front it's not like he says, well, if you'll mature enough and if you'll get this part of your life right, I'll give you that part of the kingdom. It doesn't work like that. You have access. That's why, that's why the youngest believer can prophesy. The youngest believer can see like, the greatest miracle and, like, well, what? that doesn't make sense. He's just been saved for a day. And it's just like, well, you get everything in the kingdom up front. And so, having that gives you actually the ability and the grace to step into maturity. And so tonight, let's just take a moment. Just let's just put our hands out. Is there just a Lord, take a moment and just give thanks unto the Lord. Give Him thanks that we're alive in this time. Lord, thank you for making us alive in this time. Lord, thank you for life and godliness. Lord, thank you that uh, we're learning how to live in this world, but not part of it. We're learning to live from a different place, and you're teaching us to affect the world around us. But tonight, I bless you tonight, the people of God, the saints of God, to receive. I bless you to receive everything that the Father has for you. I say that you're worthy to receive. I break off lies and guilt and condemnation and and even a performance religious spirit that tries to put itself upon you. I bless you like a child to receive. I bless you to lose your dignity. I bless God to answer that prayer. (laughs) I bless God to answer that prayer that says, Lord, I just want everything that you have for me. Lord, make them a holy mess for you. Make them a holy mess for you. And tonight, I do come into alignment. I knew that that was a word from the Lord, that there is healing in this room. Healing for your body. Somebody's neck, you, you've had a pain in your neck, it's being healed. Lower back pain is being healed. Right knee, your right knee is being healed. Just receive healing in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for the rest of God in this room. I lift off weariness. I lift off heaviness from you. Even from the weak, I just release a waterfall of refreshing over you. I say that there's no weariness in this room. need your help, fill me with your Holy Spirit, put your words in my mouth, I'm just relying upon you, so thank you, and also Lord, thank you for the angels that are here, and thank you that there's not anything that's impossible, (laughs) all things are possible, even in this moment, Lord, even in this moment, Lord. In Jesus name amen the Lord began to speak to me and I just have some of it written down about uh, thanks guys you can take a break there awesome don't ever calm down you know the Sometimes there's things that stick out to you prophetically, and uh, this date began to just speak uh, really s- stick out to me. And uh, this is what I felt like the Lord began to say This is a, d- a day, a divine date on my calendar, for it is a time where I begin to unlock the prophetic purposes of God for this region. I'm unlocking and even changing the heavens. For what can take place in this region? For there has been a group and a remnant of people who have longed for the purposes of God to be established in this region, and many have clearly heard my voice concerning the prophetic promises that I desired to plant in this region. Excuse me, and they have begun to to speak my word, and they have released the angelic host on my behalf. For the purposes of God to be established in this region. For my, for, for my purposes to be established, my word must go into the ground. And my word has gone in, from the lips of my people and has been like a seed into the ground. And I desire now fruit to be released from those words. Fruit that would remain and even growing fruit. Fruit not just for a season. Uh, or for a month, or for two, but fruit that would abide and remain. Fruit that would be everlasting. Fruit that would move from one generation to the next. And fruit that would continue. I want to make this statement here. I want to make this statement that um, we're not trying to manufacture something we're not trying to manufacture a move of God, and it's not if God will move, it is him positioning us into what he's doing. We're not begging God to move in this time. He has already declared that this is a season of what he's doing. One of the key things to st- I've learned to step in, I wish I learned it a while ago, I wish I learned it years ago, that To step in to prophetic promise, uh, part of that thing and part of cooperating, not that we make it happen, but we partner with God, is that we actually uh, begin to switch our language. Like if he tells us that we're moving ahead in this area, we don't ask him to move ahead in that area anymore. It's incorrect language. And so I, I want to declare that tonight, that we're not trying to get God to move. We, we're not trying to uh, fabricate something. I, 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 I honestly i am just not interested in, in hype or manipulation or, or trying to uh, fabricate something to create a platform for myself but this really is a time of reformation and a time of shift in the earth and it's actually possible for god to ordain something for a specific time but not but the people of god not fully don't fully step into that which was intended for the nation of israel is obviously our prime example and so in this season we're switching our language ...to the purposes of God, and the rhema word of God is a really important point. So here's uh, uh, just some things that I felt like the Lord put on my heart... ...as we enter into the future of what God wants to do in this region, in this area. So you're a group of people in this room that you are hungry for the purposes of God... And you've come here likely on a Friday night, unless somebody's dragged you here, or unless you're curious. With, that's okay too. Curious people can get knocked out by God too. That uh, you, we are not. We we are this peculiar people, not trying to go, God, please move, because Obamacare is really bad. We're trying to move according to the dictates of God and become the reformers that God intends us to become. Joel chapter two verse 28, one of my most favorite verses and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Major 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 uh, shift there especially because it's uh, uh, it, it, because he poured his spirit out on some and he's saying all flesh that word means all. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And there is a worldwide outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God is doing right now in the earth. Even in, I heard the Lord say tonight, even in the backdrop of evil, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And the ground in this region Is fresh, and there is a well even underneath this ground. Underneath this region, there is a well of the purposes of the Lord. And it has been stopped up by religion and even by tradition, even by the traditions of man, even by evil spirits who have put them places in leadership in the places in the churches in this region. But the Lord would say, I am breaking through. I am breaking through with the purposes of God. For there is not just an anointing that I want to establish in this region. There is not just an outpouring that I desire to establish in this region. But there is a move. Of God that I want to connect this region with and the enemy has tried to stop the flow of the power and the presence of God in this region but I say to you I am turning the tide of the purposes of God for this region I am shifting the tide and I am releasing angelic hosts and even sent messengers To this, to this place and to this region. And I am breaking through. Don't say there's only a few, because I say to you, there is more than a few. There is a remnant of people. There is a remnant of, of, of reformers. And I will indeed pour out my spirit in all flesh. And this will be a sign to you that I will even move in what they say are traditional and even evangelic churches. I will move in the Baptists. I will move among the Methodists. I will start in the small groups. But I I will move and it will even be on the media they will begin to report what I'm about to do for I'm about to expose says the Lord even the powerless of a religious system, even the powerlessness of a religious system that cannot set men free. I say that there's a banner, there's a standard that I'm raising up even in this time. So I say to you, I am releasing even grace to you tonight. Grace, great, 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 great grace for you to be free of everything that has held you back, to be free of even strongholds in your mind, to be even free of what you've thought about me for there has been a a there has been an even imagination of humanistic minds that have created a, a Jesus even that has been established in this region that is Antichrist, that has held back the move of my spirit, that has even mocked the move of my spirit. And I say, I will not be mocked. I will not be mocked of what I desire to do. And there will be a people that I put my glory upon. There will be a people that move and to breathe as one. And there will come a unification. The unification will not come through meetings or committees. But the unification in this region will come under the purposes of God. And there will be a witness even among leaders. They will say, you are moving in what we are called to do. And there will be a joining of hands. And it will be a locking of hands. And they will walk together. And they will march across the land. And they will begin to take territory. Territory they said the people of God could never take territory that no previous generation that has advanced. And it will be a merging of a previous stream and new territory that I desire the people of God to take. Oh, that was fun. Do you know when Jesus came Old Testament, New Testament, the transition. They called it the 400 dead years. And you know that obviously you don't need a prophetic bone in your body to know that there are some challenging times in society and also the church, but it's also the time for the light to shine like never before. I love Matthew 5 because it refers... To the people of God as a city, I think at some point this week I'm going to talk about that. A city, especially one of the cool things about flying, you you look, you can see a city, and you can sometimes I can tell by what I'm looking over what kind of city. I'm, if it's a different part of the world, it looks like something, has a culture like something, it's distinct from the world around it. So God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. There's a worldwide outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a reformation that he's going to and desires to connect this region to. There are key leaders that the Lord is going to bring and connect into this region for the purposes of God that are going to connect you to outside things taking place. That's good news. Number two, there's um, a calling of the people of God and a mark of what God is doing in this region. There's a calling of the people of God. It's like, like, what is God doing? It's like, what is one of the foundational things he's doing? He is calling people to himself. He, the number one thing when he desired his disciples to come after him is he called them to himself. And the Holy Spirit is brooding over this region and wanting for the people of God to be drawn into a revelation of who he is. And there is a spirit of revelation. There is a spirit of truth and keys of revelation being released to the people of God, not so they can write a book about it, not so they can seem smarter, but because they can see the beauty of who my son is. What will be the mark of what I'm doing? What will be the mark of the purposes of God? It will be a revelation of my son. It will be a beauty of my son. They will walk through the doors of even this house, says the Lord, and they will come into a revelation of Jesus Christ they have not known. For I desire my son to be revealed in this region in a way you have not known. I desire the fiery eyes, the beauty of who my son is, to mark my So that they would see him, so that they would hear him, so that they would move like him, so that they would encounter him. My son is beautiful to behold. The blood of my son was quite precious. And I want to bring even my sons and daughters into a revelation of the beauty of my son. And there is a drawing of the people of God. There's a drawing and a, and a releasing and a sound that would draw all men unto me. And there are aspects, there are aspects that the people of God have yet to tap into. There are aspects of even what, what you think is beautiful. I say, I am even more beautiful than you've even thought. And I am opening a door of access. Yes, there is an open door of access into the beauties of who I am, into the beauties of my Son. And I'm anointing people to see and to declare and even to live from a different place because I am drawing my people to see the beauty of my Son. You know, Jesus doesn't need to be dressed up. When we represent him properly, he is known as the desire of the nations. I always meditate on this moment. It's in the school, another country again, and basically the message was: some of you will probably die for the cause of the gospel, because God will send you to places where it will put you at risk. And uh, so, actually, my friend, who it's like one of his life messages, he's told me he said. I believe one day I may die for the cause of the gospel as a martyr. That's I said, well, I'm kind of going for something different. I'm going for like the 120-year thing. Because I'm American. <laughs> <laughs> Suffering for me is sitting in coach class for more than four hours. But he, he really believes that's his message. And... Um, so he finishes and he goes if you want to receive this call stand up whole room stood up and things are not just things and you're not just in a room just because you're in the room at that moment I was thinking for days still think about the moment what makes people stand up for that call I mean, if the Muslims can do it, I figure that we should be doing it, right? The only thing that makes you stand up is when you see how beautiful He is. And you've already died with Him. You know, same trip. We're walking back. It was one of the first days I was there, preached at this church, and we're going back, taking this bus. The pastor, goes, you know somebody was murdered out here a few days ago. So great. Anything else he wants to say? Yeah. And I got a little nervous, but then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm already dead. You can't kill me. So even if I die tonight, I win. Surrender in Jesus and the kingdom. There. It's just the way it goes. But the fun part about surrendering Jesus is I found it's the greatest freedom ever. (laughs) Some people get nervous in America because they're afraid if they really, really give everything to Jesus, he'll send them to Africa and they'll be poor the rest of their life. He He doesn't negotiate with you either. I have a friend, one of the smartest people I know, PhD from uh, Berkeley. He was an undergraduate, and these these guys had explained to him about Jesus and the plan of salvation. And he quite honestly thought most believers were stupid for ever believing something like that. But he was convinced in their message that night. So he actually told God, and this is actually okay. He goes, God, I want to serve you, but... I don't want to be stupid or looked upon as stupid. And you can hear God when you're not even saved. So God said back to him, he goes, no deal. He won't negotiate with you. Because he realizes that the full expression of who you created to be is to be subservient to his mission, and that's where real joy comes from. That's real freedom. It's not that you'll be perfect, but it's really, really great when you go to bed at night knowing, I'm living for eternity. And you only have one life to live. And and sometimes I don't think that this is a matter of going to heaven or hell. But you can actually step into the kingdom of God and not fulfill God's assignment for your life. That's possible too. There's a lot of mantles. Mantle is what empowers you for your purpose in life, just sitting in heaven. And they'd like to be put on you, but you only have one yes to give. The cool thing about your yes is your yes is not defined by you understanding it or even by the mistakes you've made. And so you can actually have some fruit in your life, but never fulfilled the assignment of God for your life. Great, great story that I love is uh, Amy, uh, not Amy, uh, Catherine Coleman had the call of God upon her life. And I believe a woman can do anything a man can do as long as God called her to do. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for that one amen. The rest of you, deliverance is available for you. (laughs) See, there's something about God that loves to violate our preconceived ideas of even what we think should work. I don't know why he does it like that. Like that person who's expressly gifted and who has favor on their life and, and we know they have issues, but somehow God keeps using them me not you he just always has these things that operate outside the box of even how we think but she's got the call of God upon her life and she meets a man and probably not the best idea but she married this man and he didn't let her preach he needed deliverance too because she was probably more anointed than him Anyway, they end up getting divorced, which I don't recommend, but it's part of the story. And she goes to Amy Simple McPherson's Bible College. She's there two months, and it's just not clicking for her. So she leaves, and she's on this street in L.A., back street. Nobody knows who she is, and she, got, she goes, God. I don't have anything else to give you except my life. So if you can use this life in this broken state, use it. And the Holy Spirit had an interesting response. He said, well, there's an anointing. I think the word was, I wanted to give to three or four men and they didn't want it. So if you'd like, you can have it. (laughs) <laughs> he's brilliant he really is and we have to take away what I call the Hollywoodization of the assignment of God for your life because when she said yes she didn't say yes to big crowds she didn't say yes to having one of the longest-running evangelical shows on CBS. She just said yes because it was a yes that God had for her. So all we have is a yes. I still hear people who tell me who've come to her meetings and say, we've been to some of the most powerful places in the world. And we still have never felt what we felt in Sister Catherine's meeting. First woman to ever preach at ORU. They said you knew when she was in the building. S- said it just felt like she was floating on the, the grounds. and They said there was just such a presence that came. True historical s- uh, story that she w- she lived in Pittsburgh and when she would fly out of the airport she would just be going to check in for her flight and whatever she was doing, and the presence of God would come and would begin to touch people, and they'd begin to weep, and and it, it, it was so marked that they told her, please let us know your schedule because you're causing a disturbance, so they had a separate entrance for her. One yes changes the world. And the truth is, a good majority of the time, only you and God really know if you've said yes to what he's asked you to do. Number three, there's an open door to encounter. Look at Revelation Revelation 4. One of my favorite verses in scripture. After these things, and I looked, and a door standing open in heaven. Do you know who stands at that open door? Jesus. Jesus. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. The Lord is releasing and desiring to release a spirit of revelation into the beauty of who Jesus is. And this is what John's experiencing here. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a stardiest stone appearing. And there was a rainbow around the throne, an appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. On the thrones I saw 24 elders clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which were the seven Spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like a crystal. In the midst of the throne, around the throne, were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. And the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. And the third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. God's pretty creative. And the four living creatures having six wings were full of eyes around within and they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, one who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders bow down before him who sits on, who are they bowing? They're bowing before Jesus. Him who sits on the throne saying, Him who lives forever and ever and casts their crowns before their throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things and by your will they they exist and were created. There's a, there's a call upon the people of God to live From heaven towards earth. There's a a cry, and one of the things that the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of going into this year, that there was still this one unanswered prayer that he had, and that was that heaven would come to earth. But he didn't actually tell tell, tell us to pray a prayer that couldn't be answered. And I believe one of the things that the Lord is screaming into the people of God, into this region, that there is an open door for fresh encounter to the purposes of God. And I heard the Lord say this tonight. Do not fear the unknown or what you have never experienced. For this is my great desire. This is my great desire for the people of God Across the earth since the beginning of time. It's my great desire to reveal to them my ways, the ways of heaven, the ways of what it means to live from my throne towards the earth. The ways to see the earth as I see it. To even see difficulty as I see it. To even see mountains as I see them. To even see people as I see them. To even see nations as I see them. And even to see solutions that would change nations. And I say to you that there is an open door there is an open door of access it was access that was that was one that 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 bridged heaven and earth it was access called the cross it was a cross that my son went to it was a cross that my son nearly uh, gave his dear life for it was the cross that took the sins of humanity so my people Could experience the beauties of heaven. So my people could hear the sounds of heaven. So my people could engage with angelic hosts on a regular basis. There is an open door and there is a group of people who will access even the secret mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Did I not say to you, to you it has been granted. To you, to you, I say to the people of God, to you the secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you some have said how will we break through i say the answer will be whispered from the heavenly place how will we break through how will we see the harvest come in how will we how will we strategize i say it will come in the secret place so i say worship more and work less and see the door and the floodgates of heaven open for there's an open door of access, And some have not been able to enter in because of fear. Some have feared that they would enter into odd experiences. But I say, I am the Holy Spirit who keeps you and to guide you into all truth. And I will guide you into truth. I will guide you into understanding. I will guide you into ways that you have not known. Do not fear. For I am well able to keep you in this day. And I am well able to release to you understanding. I do not want my people ignorant during this time. I don't want them ignorant of even the challenges that they face. Did I not say to you, if you would call upon me, I would show you great and mighty things which you know not. I desire to even open the ancient books over this region. Open the books that would give you understanding. Open the books that would even switch even the wineskin by which some of you operate. Even, uh, the Lord says, I want to switch you. This is really interesting. From a Commodore 64 operating system to the wineskin of heaven in this hour to the ways and the thoughts and the understanding of my ways for this hour, for the door is open. (laughs) Just got really hot. So, God's pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. He's calling people to Himself, and He has an open door of encounter. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, they have a way of making you look a whole lot more brilliant than you ever could on your own. They do. when you look at the world around you, I had this thought last Sunday morning. I know it's probably a thought I've had before, but we must always look at what the redemptive purposes of God are for a situation. It's not like God looks on the earth. He looks at our lives and goes, man, what am I going to do? But part of the purposes of God for the earth actually include us. That's just what I think. As listening to a story this week by uh, George Mueller, the great missionary fed all those orphans. Great man of prayer. And they asked him have you ever had a prayer that wasn't answered? In his lifetime they said he had millions of dollars flowing in to his ministry. No big organization, backing him, he just believed God to feed these people, these orphans, you ever had an unanswered prayer, and he stopped for a moment and he said, well, no, and then he thought, no, no, there's one, and it's my friend's unsaved son. And apparently, when Mueller died, the young man got saved at his funeral. There's, for whatever reason, he loves persistence on our part. Refined focus. I love one of the one of the things that, I'm, I, I honestly, I, I don't believe God wants to replicate the early church. He wants to replicate some aspects of it, but it's a whole lot bigger than what God did in the early church. Okay, thank you for that one amen. Appreciate that. But one of the things that you saw was, and it's this beautiful picture that I believe of what it's like to walk with God, it's that they define themselves from heaven's perspective. They defined themselves by what God had said and it didn't deter them by what came at them. And so they were able to actually shift history instead of being a reactor to the world around them. Big difference between reacting to everything. that You know, it, I actually believe it's one of the purposes of the enemy to get you to react and to get you to try and put out every fire that comes in front of you. No way too many leaders like that. They got people who suck the life out of them. And they want them to change their schedule. They make them feel bad because they're their pastor. It's like, I believe that I'm supposed to love people. I make time for people, but I will not. Allow the needs of people to override the purposes of God in that moment for me. It's really interesting, isn't it, that everywhere Jesus went there were needs, but he only did what his father told him to do. And I find that's how we're most effective, but here's the thing, even when difficulty came, they went back to God and didn't ask for a change of plans. They asked for more grace to fulfill what he had already said. God doesn't change the topic. Let's say that again over here. God has never changed a topic. He didn't say that if you're in America and they like going to service for 20 minutes, that you give them that. Because more people will come. He said, build my church. Why I said that but really made me feel better. I'm not interested in like trying to see how long we could go, but I'm I'm thankful for anything that touches people for the kingdom. But I'm going to make a bold statement. Any community built simply on the needs of people as idolatrous in nature because it makes them the center of their world. intentional focus on miracles. This is fascinating to me. This is one of the keys I felt like prophetically the Lord wants to give people here. Matthew 10 says this. Well, let's start in verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of Samaritans. Really, really key there because God draws these guys to himself, calls them apostles. We know that there were more than that. But Jesus is the model for how we train people, right? He draws them to himself. He calls them to himself. He does community with them. He doesn't simply use them to do ministry, but ministry came out of relationship. That's another... And the purpose was this. With the, purpose, the purpose of ministry is actually, at some point, they function under Jesus' authority. Jesus goes into heaven, and then they function under the authority that became their own. Anyway, It's true. Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of, the city of Samaritans, but go, rather, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Verse 9. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journeys, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a a worker is worthy of his food. It's really, really fascinating because Jesus sends them out with nothing and he goes, don't worry, you'll be taken care of. Apparently, they didn't have all their support raised before they left. There's a fascinating thing about the provision of God in there, though, because... This is a side point, but it's just too good not to tell. They're fishermen. They leave everything to follow Jesus. Most of them had families. We don't know all of them, but they think most of them had families. They follow everything. They leave everything to follow Jesus. And then he's on the cross, and he looks at them, and he goes, Did you lack anything when you came and followed me? That's the rest of the story. Kind of throws out that whole little thing about Jesus being poor. Just a thought. When I sent my disciples along the way, I was very intentional in my instructions. And in this season... The Lord says that he wants the people of God to be intentional in how they declare the kingdom of God. And I want you to be intentional in even the pursuit and the release of miracles. For there is an anointing and there is a grace that I desire to give, not just the leaders in this region, but the people of God in this region. So I say to you, even tonight, that as you go... As you go even home tonight, as you go to your families, as you go into your workplace, as you go even into the stores, even tomorrow, as you go and even interact with the people the people in this community, I say be intentional. Seek me and you'll find me. Even seek and pursue the miraculous, for there are miracles, there are miracles waiting to be displayed through the hands of the people of God in this region. And I say that nothing, 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 nothing will be impossible for the people of God. I say to you that there will be a day, and I desire a day, where, where the dead would rise, where they would come out of wheelchairs, where with blind eyes would open, where there would be a supernatural miracle anointing given to the people of God, given for the express purpose of showing my lordship over every situation. So you must be intentional. Even as I released my apostles, I released them with intentionality. And I say, miracles must be an essential part of the purposes of God for the people in this region. So contend for miracles, declare miracles, and go for miracles in my name. For I will back you up, for the people of God in this region are like Peter. You're on a boat, and I'm calling you out. I'm calling you to step on the water. I'm calling you to walk by faith. I'm calling you to do what's never before been done. For that is the call upon the people of God in this region. That is the call to be and to do what you've never done through a following of my voice, through a consecration, through a grace that I desire to give you. For this is a strategic time. This is a strategic time for the purposes of God for this region. Man cannot fabricate what I'm about to do and am doing in this region. Even this house, says the Lord, even this house that I put here, even what seems like the middle of nowhere, this house has been birthed from heaven. It has not been birthed out of intellect. It has not been birthed out of the will of man. It has been birthed from heaven. And I am building it one block at a time. One block at a time I'll speak. One block at a time I'll give you understanding. And even as I speak, I'll build, and I will build this house. And I will bring expansion. Yes, great expansion I desire to give you. Even this... Even this property that you're on now cannot contain the expansion that I will give you. You'll have one land, another piece of land, and I'll expand, and I desire to expand the borders. And people will say, what is God doing in your midst? For the economy has looked like it's dead around here, but you seem to be building. And it will be a sign to you that I am with you in this time. One. Key thing as I desire to expand your tent pegs and I'm building even the foundations of this house even in this season. And great, great, great substance, great, great wealth will be your inheritance to build and establish as I've called you to be in this region. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> it's been rolling around me for a few days, all this stuff. You know, it's interesting that sometimes when God speaks, it seems like it's so far beyond the place that we're living. <laughs> and that's kind of how he does it, isn't it? He calls these guys, who the Bible calls, ignorant and unlearned. And he could have chosen these guys who were the equivalent of their time, the Harvard and Yale PhDs. But he decides to call these, these guys, you know, basically from the backwoods. And they had some issues. They did. And he picks these guys. And clearly there were times where they really messed up. But he would always point them to their destiny. I say all that to say this because... We don't step in, I've learned we don't step in to our prophetic purpose or even the destiny by fixing all the negatives. It's by becoming the person that that prophecy says we are. It's not like we go, well, let me fix this, let me fix this so I can get there. It's actually that that's, that's what we mean by bringing our future into today. Because if he says, you're a person of integrity, but you know you got some struggles with this, this, and this area, what you do is you don't try and fix that area, you begin to step into that person of integrity. You don't fix a negative by focusing on a negative. You fix a negative by replacing it with a kingdom reality. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if I articulated that correctly. But it's true. (laughs) Ha ha. So, we hear these words like this. We hear these words of promise and declaration. And basically, that's what I felt like I was supposed to do tonight. But we hear these words, and within the word comes a grace to become that person that word says we are. Because every prophetic word is just an invitation to get closer. Like, I don't know what have to do. I don't know what to do with half the prophetic words I I have except to replay them over and over again to my mind, to add them to my daily declaration of who God says I am, and then he releases grace for me to become that person. And suddenly, you're obeying every day, you're obeying in every moment as much as you can by the grace of God. You're not perfect, but you're obeying, and suddenly you end up fulfilling all these words. Usually after you die a little bit, though, too. God is really good at taking to a place called there. <laughs> I was doing a, teaching a class on Monday night. And they were like, so how do you get, how did you get from here to there? And one of the great ways is you give up trying to get there. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm speaking in riddles, but it's all true. But the Lord is releasing grace to pursue. I love this. Look at Matthew eleven ten. This is a verse that really resonated with me many years ago. I used to read it all the time. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force there's this dual tension in God that I love. It's that he will never do for you what he's asked you to do, but he's given you the grace to do everything he's asked you to do. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? It's like having a test with all the answers, but you still gotta take the test. And it's like, You're going from glory to glory, and it certainly is a narrow road. The picture that I saw once, one time when I was talking to the Lord, I saw this picture, this vision. And the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like being in this room. And you're like, this room is amazing. Like, it's awesome, everything I'm experiencing, God, in this room. And then there's this little door that takes you into the next place that's reserved for you. Because there's actually rooms in the heart of God for you. John 14.2 is actually a living reality. In my father's house there are many mansions. It's a metaphor for the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So this looks like this little door. It's like being in this little room and having this tiny little door. That you got to lean down. And you got to bend down. And it seems like. It's just going to kill you to, to do that. But you you, you, you by the grace of God, you step in and you, you stretch your body and you open this next door. And then the next room is even, you're like, man, that was good, but this, this is like really good. And then there's another door to the next room. And it looks like it's like, you're like, it's going to kill me to go there. You know, like, it's kind of like giving, like, you get into this thing of giving and you're like I don't know you're like I don't know if you're like me but you're like God's always stretching me in those areas you you're like you you thought that was a big check like 2 years ago and now you're like you you're like you've gotten to that one and then he keeps like bringing the number up you know and you're oh it's going to kill me you know it's, it's like surely that's the devil not god then you open the next room and what you thought was glorious is not so glorious anymore. But he gives you the grace to do what he's asked you to do. What does he say? He says that without faith it's impossible to please him, right? But then he says he's the one who gives you the measure of faith. He's brilliant. It's like everything that you have need of and everything that He's called you to do, He's given you the grace to do. And so He gives you, but that's it, isn't it? It takes God to love God, so God lives in you, and everything that He's empowered you to do, He gives you the grace to do, but He won't do it for you. I know. So he's releasing grace to pursue. You will have to say no to certain things to say yes to certain things he's called you to do. If you're in the middle of the road, you usually get run over. That's just no fun. Some of you just need to get that thought out in the back of your mind where if this doesn't work out, I'm just going to go back to the way I used to live my life. It's a demonic way to think. Like, just jump off the cliff and never come back. What's the worst that could happen? That you could try everything you know to follow God? I've never, I've never met anyone. who just didn't work out. There's the last key. There's grace to pursue. And the Lord is releasing. And is wanting to release. Emerging merging of worship and prayer as one. That the sounds of heaven would be released over this territory. Major turning point in the New Testament church. Really fascinating to me, and it speaks of paradigms. I also believe that with increased revelation, and revelation basically is understanding or wisdom on how to apply something. It doesn't ever go beyond Scripture, but probably violates your understanding of Scripture. you can really have a distorted understanding of Scripture if you're not experiencing what you're reading in that printed page. It's kind of like listening to somebody teach on the gifts of the Spirit who doesn't let the gifts of the Spirit operate in their church. You don't discover certain things without living in the experience of them. I'm not suggesting that we go outside the bounds of a biblical framework, but it's experience and understanding of the word that give us the path that we're supposed to go on. It's true. It's true, even if Lee doesn't say amen. But what's really interesting here is Jesus had commanded the disciples to go, to begin in Jerusalem, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. They didn't do it until persecution came. (laughs) So now, the majority of the first converts were Jewish believers in Yeshua. Paul now has gone out, he's getting Gentiles saved. Jew is getting Gentiles saved. One of the challenges in the church in, in, in Galatians was that these Gentiles were getting saved, and uh, Paul was leading them to, to Jesus. And some Pharisees who now had followed, were followers of Jesus like, Well, you have to become law compliant. James, actually, the brother of Jesus, is one of those guys. You actually read about it in Galatians. And he was the one sending those guys, going, you got to follow the law. So they decided to have a meeting, and they listened. And they listened to testimony. We don't know how long the testimony went on. The apostles and elders are meeting, and they, they have this interesting conclusion. Because verse 12, we'll pick up the story, "...then all the multitudes kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles." And after they became silent, James answered, saying... Now this is fascinating because James, where you read about it in Galatians... James was the one who had sent them to say, you got to be law compliant. Apparently, after hearing the testimony, he goes through a paradigm shift. I'm learning the longer I walk with the Lord... Because of what you're experiencing and because of what you're understanding through the Word... Always founded on the Word... I believe in the Word of God. I, anyway, tonight's more of a prophetic night. But, often to shift into the place that God has for you, even in your destiny, you'll often have to shift paradigms of what you thought was true. And a major turning point, and I believe even that's one of the keys of what the Lord wants to give the people of God in this room. It's not that what you were doing was ineffective; it's that God has shifted the seasons or added understanding on how to do it. It doesn't mean that you you, you don't get fruits that par- fruit through that paradigm. It just means that God wants to increase fruit because he he just he likes to turn up the heat. Don't know why. I mean, you even see see God expresses. God expresses sermons actually in our gathered meetings. Like sometimes people don't think if it's a good meeting unless there's a certain manifestation of something. See, a religious spirit tries to attach itself in any form. It will attach itself to a a charismatic Pentecost. But I'm good if we just do what he wants to do. If we all just lay on the floor, that's good. If we, you know, we teach for an hour and a half and that's what God wants to do, then let's all go home. So he ex- he actually expresses his nature often in our gathered meetings. We don't we don't want to dictate to God of how we're go- going to do it. And often, quite honestly, you have to distinguish are people pulling on a gift because they want to pull that gift out of you or pe- or are you supposed to move in that gift in that specific way? Anyway, so James has this paradigm shift. Yeah, I don't know why I said all that. James, men and brethren. And this is James, the brother of Jesus. He's not one of the original disciples. He was not a believer in Jesus at the time, but now he's gotten saved, and now he finds himself among the apostles. Huh. It's fascinating. you imagine talking to these guys who walk with Jesus, and you didn't follow Jesus when he was alive? They're probably like, we were with him when he was alive. Where were you? We got credentials before you. <laughs> Simon has declared how God at first visited Gentiles to take them out of the people for his name. And with these words, the prophets agree, just as it is written After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will re- rebuild its ruins and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by, ni- by, ni- by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Know to God from, all, from from eternity all his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. So it's really fascinating. They're discussing this issue, and this is how often God does it. You ever talk to God about something, and suddenly he gives you understanding about what you didn't think that you needed understanding on? He gives this Obscure prophecy that Amos gives in Amos 9. And he said, He said, God, this is what God spoke about, that He's going to rebuild the tabernacle of David in our time. What was the tabernacle of David? It was David's prophetic understanding because David was a prophet, prophet, priest, and king, fascinating individual. And David took the Ark of the Covenant and puts the Ark of the Covenant. They still needed the tabernacle of Moses because he still did need a sacrifice. Jesus had not died. But he actually violates the covenant and he, and he, puts, he, puts, he, he puts skilled musicians and singers. They need more of those in churches. Just a thought. I like to follow that verse. That's why I'm not on the worship team. And he put them in this tent, and he put the Ark of the Covenant, symbolic of the presence of the Lord, and twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, and the worship was led by seers. And the seers, which was basically prophets, they would they would have the instruments on wheels, and they would say, We see God over there. He's in a vision over there. So they would wheel all the instruments and worship from over there. And then they would say, well, we see see God over there, or there's angels over there. So they would move over there and, and, and turn the worship over there. And it had never before been done. And he invited the Gentiles in. And if you came into the tabernacle of David, it was very likely that they had their backs to you because their focus was not on you. Their focus was on him. And it became known as Davidic worship. Even after David died, it was seven subsequent kings who instituted this worship. And every time they did, they won military and judicial victory. It's fascinating, right? You would think that they would win victory by getting smarter and getting more plans. And God, and there's different expressions of this that God is raising up. The Lord spoke to me really clearly in 2008. I was at the call in D.C. And I remember, because he had been really starting to open up some understanding that there is a reformation happening. He spoke to me really clearly. And I always remember the context of where he spoke it to me. He said, there will be no church reformation without 24 hour worship and prayer. And he spoke it to me in our nation's capital. There is governmental power released through worship and prayer. Why? Because it's what's taking place in heaven. And it is, there's something, you you know. I talked, we opened tonight about being like children in the kingdom of God. And I find that even in the many things God has called me to do, and busyness and travel, and I forget half of where I'm at half the time, that. I can get even in the busyness as long as I turn aside and worship that it's like everything comes into alignment out of that place. And we're like children. I I find creativity flows too in the vision God's given me through worship. I was worshiping tonight and I was creating a list of practical things that I needed to do over the next week. You ever have so many things to do and you just begin to worship? I used to think I was getting distracted. Now I know it's just God helping me organize my life. But there's an emerging apostolic governmental strength that God wants, not just this house, not just exclusive to this house, but that only comes through worship. It's like there's something when we turn aside whatever we have going on. I challenge you to, we're, you know, everyone's busy in this room, but I challenge you to really ask the Lord what you're supposed to spend your time and energy doing. Because there's activity that God gives grace for, and then there are things that often God has never called us to do. I mean, I could, I could go three weeks, 24-7, and there's grace to do it. And then I begin to get tired after one day of doing something, and I go, am I supposed to be doing this? I remember one time, I'm closing here. I remember one time I was ministering in this particular place, and... Um, kind of went long, and I was ministering, That asked me to do some ministry, and I was driving back to where I was staying, and I was going, Lord, I've done a lot of ministry, but I have never felt this tired, and I've never felt, I just feel like I got hit over the head with a frying pan, and I don't want to go back tomorrow. And I heard the Lord say to me, a religious spirit will wear you out. And one of the things, I'm really careful about saying things like this, but because the Lord wants to deliver us from dead, futile religious works. And we are all vulnerable to being infected by a religious spirit. And it even will look nice on the outside. It will look like, oh, that's a good idea, but it will be dead and void of power. And the Lord is setting us on this path to really becoming a people who can establish certain things. As last week I was at this conference gathering, amazing time. And one of the words that came out was, the Lord wants to give a hundred-year vision. And there's always grace to do everything that the Father's called us to do. And yeah, it takes effort. It takes a lot of activity. But there's grace to do it. And I believe one of the things that the Lord wants us to adjust in the coming months is to identify areas that are unfruitful and always to spend more time worshiping. You know, I find it fascinating sometimes there's a wonderful movement that the Lord is raising up different ministries you know like ihop and that their their focus is the house of prayer the building of the house of prayer and worship in the earth and i always find it interesting that other believers would criticize movements like this because usually what makes you insecure you'll want to criticize like, all they do is worship and pray. I go, I know, isn't it terrible? But a number of years ago, the Lord gave me this word. Uh, almost every time I'll come before leaders, the Lord will tell me, tell them to worship less, worship more and work less. I don't know why I'm saying that.